trip looking at pictures, considering your word and the gospel. We pray you quicken and minister to our hearts now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So our message today, if you're on the live stream, will be a little bit different. We've just returned from India. We'll be reflecting, looking at some pictures and considering the work of God. Um, we'll share some stories as we go. But the theme that God gave us with the pastors, with the churches all the week, with the children really in our hearts was God's grace. And we'll start by reading that in Acts 20, 24. Paul says that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry that I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of grace. To testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And who is testifying of the grace of God here in our town, in our land, over there in the Sara Hills, in Odisha, in the states of India? Who is testifying of the grace of God? And this is what's wonderful for us to think about this work in India. There may be some who don't know the background of the work, so for a few moments I'd like to do that. Uh, first of all, there was a contact made with an Indian Christian man, uh, David. And in 2008, Jeff and Richard, by faith, decided to go over. They said, we will never know unless we go and see. When they came back, God moved in the hearts of the people here in the church. A vision was born, and they wanted to help those children and David in the work. They saw the immense need. It's incredible to think I have such respect and love for, for Jeff and Richard, thankfulness for them just going by faith to do that. Through PFC, on that same land where they're standing in that picture now, stands the home of life. It's a children's home. Children's home. This, this year it was repainted. That's uh, from 2020. But now, if you think that's bright... Uh, now it is repainted with the brightest colors. The children choose the colors. And uh, it's the home now for 55 precious, precious children. There were many new children this time. We hadn't been for three years. There was probably 25, maybe almost half the children were new that we'd never met before. And what, what astounds you when you're there is that, is that God has used this little church in Peacehaven to have such an effect in so many lives. That this home has become a spiritual and a physical provision, uh, salvaging, redeeming these precious lives. There is nothing, you could not put a price on it. Uh, you can put a price on the bricks and the mortar, but what God is doing is just priceless and eternal and beautiful. And certainly the, the, the roads that brought them to the home of life, there are tragic stories, but we take great comfort in what God has done to bring them to a place where they are so loved, where they hear the gospel, where they grow in faith, where they are accepted, and the home of life is their family. <clears throat> and there is a beauty and a joy that you see there that, that really takes your breath away. Uh, there is not one attitude among all of those children, it's amazing. Just thankfulness, uh, love, it's, it's really humbling. Uh, they pray together with such fervency. Just to sit and hear them pray, watch them pray, is again just a humbling thing 
to see. Over the years, the work continued. Slowly, the, the, the home was, was built. The work continued. About three years ago, I think, we started the Support a Child. Was it about three years ago? We started a Support a Child uh, initiative. Uh, through that, from here in PEFC, from uh, the school I used to teach in, from Hungarians, from Chinese people in the church in Hungary, from many connections we have in America, we were able to generate some support. So we were able to say to them for the first time, listen, we are supporting you regularly every month this amount. And we were also able to pledge support for the team. Uh, these beautiful Christian uh, Indian believers who live at the home, sleep at the home, eat at the home, lay down their lives uh, for the kids, and we support them uh, each month. We're so thankful to be able to do that. <clears throat> the needs will always be there. The need for support will always be there. The need for us to replenish our support for the work there uh, is very clear for us. Uh, a lot of support has dropped off over the last few years, and we understand that. But we pray that God will stir uh, hearts here and around the world. Uh, this is uh, my, David's brother, Michael. This is his wife, Coney, and their newborn uh, baby girl. Beautiful. Someone had put a few baby clothes in the cases, and uh, she was delighted to get those. We're so thankful uh, to give them. And this is Aisha. She is the, the, the new cook in the home with her husband. That smile is permanent. And to, she just, oh, she is beautiful, Aisha. Just love her so much. And they are serving at the home also. We are so thankful that while we were there, the vehicle that we have been praying for and raising money for uh, arrived about halfway through the trip. Uh, about half of this came from the school in Budapest, uh, the philanthropy class, and the owner of the school just threw money at, at, the, at the need. And then uh, an organization in America that has a heart for orphans uh, pledged the other main part of the donation, and then also some uh, from here. Can you imagine, though, that we were able to hand the keys off to David? And you'll notice it says Amazing Grace at the top of the screen, which we thought was so uh, fitting. That vehicle is a game changer for that home. It's going to be put to such incredible uh, use. And we're so thankful that God has done that. So we had lots of meetings with the children in the mornings, in the evenings. Um, we, we used a sketchboard. Um, uh, we taught them songs. They loved to sing. And I think I can give you a taste of that. They can, they can clap and sing so loud. It's, all, it's deafening, but beautiful. Uh, Tyrone's wife, Cheryl Ann, made these beautiful bookmarks with a name, the personal names of the children and a Bible verse on the back. So we got to give those out. They love those. They will keep them in their Bibles. We were able to buy a guitar, which we left at the home, which they'll be learning and using. Uh, we had a night where we gave out all the gifts to the children, uh, people had brought things from the church, you remember, and Jeff had packed these three cases, and, and one night we were giving them out. Oh, what a joy it is to give and to see that 
the blessing, you know, and the heart of these children receiving them with just such uh, thankfulness. We also went to the store. We bought sports equipment and toys. A couple of Tyrone's neighbors had donated for that and some others here. And we bought them, you, you name it, uh, volleyballs and footballs and cricket bats and, and lots of games. Um, and it was such a joy uh, to do that. <clears throat> so much uh, love in that, in that home. Uh, as, me, as was mentioned, we took them to the beach. I asked for a show of hands who had never seen the sea before. So many hands went up. And the others had only seen it because of our previous trips. They do not go get to go to the beach. So we support that trip every year. And to see them run into the ocean and then to swim in the Indian Ocean in the Bay of Bengal with about 60 kids is quite an experience and such a joy. This is Esther, by the way. She's the youngest now in the home. She's seven. She will steal your heart in moments. She's beautiful. And there she was, first time ever in the sea. That's Marshall. That's, uh, that's uh, sorry, that's not Marshall. That's Brooklyn. That's not his real name. That's my nickname from a T-shirt years ago. But he's, he's now old enough. He's a helper in the home and just such a fine uh, young man. Prathana, there are the girls. Oh, and this is uh, Natani. She's actually 23 now. She, she, from, her, from very young, she went up through the home. And she has a beautiful voice. I remember the last time we were there, we were on the bank of this river. And um, let's say we had a prayer together there. And during that time, she sang. And I asked her, I said, Natani, could you sing for us? So right there at the beach, uh, she sang for us. It's a bit windy, but maybe. I asked what the meaning of the song was, and it was about God's love, that um, I've seen love in this world, but no one loves me like you do. And I'm so thankful for your love. That was the song. She was singing it. Oh, my gosh, the presence of God. It was a beautiful moment. She's amazing. I love her so much. Natani. As well as the home of life, an extension of the home of life is open ministries. And this is Odisha Peacehaven Evangelical Network. And there have been churches that have been planted in the mountains through David. That's uh, that's uh, Michael on this side, his brother, and Raul, and other men. They have planted churches uh, in the Sara Hills, in the mountains. There were a few, and then there were 11, and then there were 13. Um, and after COVID, there were another five churches. There are 18 churches now under open ministries. God is doing such an incredible uh, thing. One little backstory. In 2019, on that trip, I went with HK, that's David's older brother. We went up to this little tribal village in Ranglement. <clears throat> it's a Christian village uh, nestled up among the rice fields. 
they had never seen a foreigner before. There was one really old lady who remembered seeing a Canadian Baptist missionary about 60 years before. But everyone else in that village, they'd never seen a foreigner. And we preached there. We had a wonderful time. <clears throat> we preached on the grace of God. And afterwards, those men on the stage, they came down and they said through HK, the translator, they said, no one ever told us that salvation is free before. And that moment for me in this whole work was very pivotal. It was very powerful. I realized something that I felt was so profound that even though in, in, the, in, the few, in the few villages there that are considered Christian villages, and of course most are Hindu villages, but the few that are Christian, they have a nice white brick-built church from the Canadian Baptist missionaries of whatever, 100 years ago. And the whole village, they go to the church in the morning. But over time, over the generations, they seem in many cases to have lost the gospel. And, they, and of course, you, you gravitate to a works program. It reminds us of when Paul went to Galatia in Acts 13. And in verse 43, he told them, continue in the grace of God. When he wrote to the Galatians about a year later in Galatians 1, 6 and 7, he said, I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you to the grace of Christ to a different gospel, which is not another of the same kind. But there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. It's no wonder that Paul had this yearning, this warning that echoes through the epistles. He wrote to the Corinthians and he said, I fear lest somehow as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. But if he who comes preaches another Jesus whom we have not preached, or if you receive a different spirit which you have not received, or a different gospel which you have not accepted, that you would bear it or put up with it. Notice another Jesus, another spirit, another gospel. Our own church history in England and across Europe and around the world bears witness to the same phenomena, that over time you have sparks of revival and you have certain names that God used of men or missionaries or ministries but now we have so many churches that are like monuments to something that happened in the past. They are like museums. They are places that, I, you know, there is no life. There is no ministry. There is no grace. There is no Bible teaching. There is no one testifying of the gospel of God's grace. I remember years ago I was pastoring up in Leeds and I remember this African couple came into the church and he came from Ghana and he said two things amazed him when he came to this country. One is that you could turn the tap on and there would be clean, cold, fresh water. And the other, that there was no Bible in the churches. And he said he went from church to church on Sunday morning with his Bible. And in his mind, he's thinking, England, the missionary center. All the missionaries have been sent out. And he was quite disappointed. When we met him, he was, oh, there, the Bible. Someone is preaching and teaching the Bible. We explain this to the men 
in the Sara Hills. We explained this to the pastors. We said this has happened in our own land. This is what happens in church history. And this is what has happened or could happen in the Sara Hills, in the mountains. There needs to be a return to grace, a continuing in grace. Stand fast, Galatians 5.1. Stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ has set you free. And don't turn back again to the bondage, the yoke of bondage. Hebrews 13.9. It is good for the heart to be established in grace. I remember up in one village... Uh, we use these gospel bracelets when we're there often. They're very effective, and the colors lead you through the gospel. I remember these teenage boys, and there was the, there was the white brick-built church up there in this Christian village. And I went through the beads, and the black represents sin, and the red represents the blood of Christ, and you lead them to the gospel. And I said, if you died today, would you go to heaven? They went, oh, no, no, all in unison, oh, no. I said, Why? Is it because of the black bead? And they said, yes. And I said, well, what about the red bead? What about the red bead? This is the gospel, that God so loved the world, he sent his son, and right there, we led them to Christ, and they bowed their heads, and they got saved. If you are not under grace, you are under the law. If it is not by faith, then it is by works. How easy it is for man, naturally. You don't have to have a religious background. It's our natural leaning away from grace and towards legalism. Man does not ask the question, what must God do for me to be saved? He asks the question, what must I do to be saved? Right? And then we, we asked one man, oh, if you died, would you go to heaven? He said, who can know? Who can know that? No one can know. And I said, well, 1 John 5, 12 says, he who has the Son has eternal life. And he who does not have the Son does not have eternal life. And in verse 13, it says, John says, I write these things to you who have believed in the Son, Jesus Christ, that you might know that you have eternal life and that you would continue to believe in Him. Certainly, we can know and we should know. And we should... Rejoice in that blessed assurance we have through the gospel of grace every day. But it struck me so hard back then in 2019 and the years following. The need for grace understanding there and everywhere. I said to HK as we drove down from that village, I said, HK, don't the pastors teach grace? Don't they teach eternal security that you are in Christ and secure? And he said, oh, they do not. I said, why? He said, they either don't know it because they've never been taught it, or they fear that they will not be able to control the people. And I said, it's not our job to control people. It's not our job to straighten people out. Our job is to testify of the gospel of grace and that by his spirit and through the power of his word and grace, he would change lives. In the villages, you would, you would speak to people. One, one time, this is Chanti, this is our driver. He is from the village of Guma, where David is from. Such a sweet man. We appreciated his driving as well. <laughs> and as we were going, we shared the gospel with him. 
And I said to him, Shanti, how long have you been a Christian? Because he's from a Christian village. And he said, oh, I was born a Christian. And I said, oh, in England many years ago, many would have said that in England. I'm a Christian because this is a Christian country and I believe in God. But no one is born a Christian. Just because you're from a Christian village and you have a Christian family and there's a Christian church in your village and you may or may not go, that doesn't make you a Christian. You were born once, but you must be born again. And we shared the gospel with him. And then we pulled over by the side of the road and we prayed and he accepted Christ. It's an amazing mission field and work that's taking place there. And we should add this to our prayers when we think about the work in India, when we think about the pastors and the teaching and the need there. But Europe is filled with churches are greatly lacking. No church is perfect, O Lord, but keep us, help us, guide us, lead us, use us. In 2020, we had a pastor's conference. The following year, I thought, oh gosh, we need to speak with the pastors and teach with the pastors. I remember that time. We taught about salvation and eternal security and living in grace. We spoke about the possibility of departing from grace and the need to stand fast in the grace of God. There in Galatians 5.1 and 5.7, it says, you ran so well, who did hinder you? Galatians 5.8, this persuasion does not come from him who calls you. And Galatians 5.9, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. It's key for our 18 pastors to grow in the grace and knowledge of Christ. We're so thankful that through an international organization, uh, we have been able to raise funds. I, I actually went to Bible college with, the, with, the, with this couple who's involved in it. They're based in Europe. And, uh, and by providence, we, we had the conversation. We spoke about it. We thought about the needs, the persecuted church, etc., and they wanted to support the church. They have sent uh, some of our pastors to Bible college for six months. They financed that. They have bought them motorbikes and tin roofs and fans for their churches. I mean, thousands and thousands of pounds have come from them through our church to support the work there. It's astounding. And now we have been able to say to the pastors that we have pledged support for them every month. Isn't that a joy? It's wonderful. We're so thankful for that organization and for God's work. So this year we had another seminar with the pastors. Again, we were speaking about grace. It was for two days. They came and stayed at the home overnight. Um, We had four sessions a day. Uh, The last session, questions and answers. And then because they were staying overnight, we were with them in the evening as well. I can't ever remember being more exhausted in my life. And actually every night we would get back to the hotel and you would just be like, wow, I was so exhausted, but so filled and so thankful with the sense of God pouring out and ministering to these uh, precious men. The, the question times are amazing, asking about food offered to idols and the you know questions you might not get here. <laughs> But beautiful time. We spoke to them about free grace. I don't know if you've ever heard that term. 
but in the West and on the, online in America, there are websites. They speak about free grace. And I explained to the Indian pastors, I said, now there are many preachers who speak about free grace. They've had to add the word free because the word grace has lost its very meaning because grace means free. That's the whole center of the gospel. But now we have to add the word free grace. Because man loses it. Man leans away from grace. Man adds a price tag to that which is free. 1 Timothy 1.9 God who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to works. Say that. Not according to works. But according to his own purpose and grace which was given us in Christ just before the time And we would meet with these pastors and we would read these verses. And I don't know what it was, but maybe the humility, the hunger, the anointing. But the grace of God was so clear. There was a grace anointing in that room. You just felt God illuminating the gospel to these precious men. It was really profound. We opened the Bible. We looked at Ephesians 2 together. There are the pastors and we pray for them. We looked at Ephesians 2 verse 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this, the simple clarity and power of the word was incredible. That not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God has prepared for us. We said, you see, you are not saved by works. Yes, you are saved unto works. And God changes and transforms us by grace, but we are not saved by works. And they understand that, our precious men, of course. And that's what they're teaching and preaching. But the clarity, the clarification is important. Lest any man should boast. Romans 3.27, where is boasting then? it, It is excluded. By what law of works? No, boasting is not excluded by the law of works, but it is excluded by the law of faith. Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith apart from the deeds of the Lord. law. During the question and answer time, one of them asked the question. They said, well, listen, and if you don't get asked this question as a, as a grace teacher or preacher, you're probably not teaching grace. It's a good indicator. They say, well, if we teach grace, won't people use it as a license to sin? It's a good question. So we turn to Jude chapter three, uh, 1, verse 3, where it says to contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. For certain men have crept in to the church unnoticed, who long ago were marked out for condemnation, ungodly men who turn the grace of God into lewdness or lasciviousness the word means the freedom to sin and deny the only lord god and our lord jesus christ they told me of men who had who had began to teach that in the churches and the result was that people were were, were, were leaving god and living in sin and i said well you understand that they are not teaching grace in the context of the body of new testament truth Because truly, grace does not give me a license to sin, but in Titus 2.11, the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. Notice this. Teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, godly in this present age. The true effect of the gospel of grace changes lives. 
It teaches us not to go and live in sin. Paul, Paul asked that question, shall we live in sin then that grace would abound? God forbid. For grace teaches us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly. They said, well, what if someone does do that? I said, that's between them and God. It's not up to us to control people's lives. It's up to us to testify of the gospel of grace. The truth, though, we understand is that true victory and godliness only comes through grace and the Spirit of God in someone's life. So these men said, after these times together, they said, oh, we will take, we, thank you, we, will, we are going to teach this afresh. We are going to teach it in our church and in our villages, and we're going to go to the next village, and we, we want to be those who testify of the grace of God. We thank God for that. This is at the pastor's uh, seminar. some dancing going on there as well as you might imagine but these precious men or oh, let's keep them in our hearts let's pray for them that they that they grow in the grace and knowledge of Christ and it affects the the villages and the hills and the mountains if there is a a, a, a building that is burning and you have a bucket of water and over this side you have 10 firemen which way are you going to throw the bucket Hello, right? That these men will be wakened to the grace of God in their ministry. They can affect it, and we, and we, we cannot. But they are there, and we pray for them and thank God for them. We had two conferences when we were there. The first one was way up in the mountains, and we said this, we could say this for so many of the places we went to. There are no foreigners that have been there. This is so far, so remote. Uh, we entered the village and they honor us with the garlands. They wash our feet. We are the honored guests. They escort us into the center of the village. And again, we had a beautiful time with the gathering under a canopy, and we preached grace to them. We sensed God's presence and, and ministry, and they were drinking it in. HK, by the way, that's David's older brother, he speaks 14 languages. Uh, because up in the mountains, they, they're not, the translation isn't into Hindi, it's into these tribal dialects that changes from mountain to mountain. So he is an incredible. Pray for him also. He has 22 churches up in Calcutta region and uh, needs prayer and support also. David asked that some of his men could be ordained. We had a conversation and we prayed about that. Uh, these men are already pastoring, but they have not been formally recognized uh, in ordination. So we anointed six pastors that day. David said, uh, well, I want to be ordained. Uh, him and Raul were actually ordained under a Baptist organization many years ago, but they wanted to be freshly ordained under open ministries. So at that meeting, 
we had an ordination. We ordained uh, David and Raul and Michael uh, first. There they are. What an incredible uh, moment that was. We anointed them with oil. We charged them. We prayed for them. And we ordained them. And afterwards, we ordained another three men. So six men at that meeting. <clears throat> we said that in Titus 1.5, Paul wrote to Titus and he said, there is one thing lacking, Titus. You must appoint elders in every city. So what a joy that was to ordain those men. Then we had a walk around the village. Such beautiful people. We were so far removed from anywhere, way up in the mountains. There they are outside their homes, these precious girls eating uh, there. It's way up in the rice fields. That path cuts through the rice field to the next uh, village. And then we went to Boulder. This was our first church visit. This was actually my third time in Boulder. The first time I went there, uh, they, they, were, they were celebrating opening their little church with, with mud and cow dung walls with sticks and this little shanty roof. And it was their pride and joy. And Jeff and Richard and I, we went there and we had a ceremony for their new church and a beautiful time. The following year, that church had been destroyed by the cyclone of Titli. It was just bare ground. And we prayed for them, and now they have another church again. And we've been able, through that organization, to support them. We've given them the tin roof and helped them with the, with the building and the fans, etc. So that's a joy to do that. Um, that's the, the pastor, beautiful man, got ordained. This is inside the church. Uh, every, every square inch uh, is, is used And this is, this is from that church. This is a picture when Tyrone and the others had that wonderful blessing in the countryside. Fantastic time. And then we went to the leprosy colony where Lisa and, and her, her support group have such an effect and ministry there. Different ones in the church here, Thelma and Elsie and others have a ministry there. And I, I got Thelma's picture up on my phone and then Elsie's picture up and Lisa and we spoke about them. We said, oh, look, these ladies are fundraising and people in the church are giving for you and they are weeping and so thankful for PFC. They say and they mean it. They thank God and pray for PFC every day, as do the children. And really the privilege was just to be able to love these people. And uh, every time we go, uh, they say that. They say, listen, you bring these blankets and you bring these supplies and we're so thankful for that. But most of all, that you come here and you love us and that you, you bring the love of Jesus to us, and they are weeping and so thankful. This picture, this is Swati. Some of you may remember the story. She was abandoned as a baby girl in the field next to the hospital, and one of the ladies from the leprosy colony found her. And when she tried to give her to someone, no one would take the baby because she's from the compound. So Swati, that's her in the front, was raised her whole life 
on the leprosy compound. Unbelievable. And her mom, I don't know if I have a picture of her mom. It's, that's her hugging Tyrone there. She, uh, you, can't, you can't see it. Anyway, her mom, beautiful lady, so beautiful. And that's uh, Spati Benny in the background. And I remember a few years ago, uh, we got to lead both of them to Christ and give them Bibles, and they still have their Bibles, and they remember that uh, fondly. And that's Swati's baby. She's married now. Um, and then our second conference, and we're almost done. Uh, our second conference in Tamasingi, we'd never been there before on previous trips. It's way, way up in the mountains. It's just under the highest mountain in Odisha. You go up this winding road through beautiful views up way high up in the mountains. And uh, when, we, when we got there, the sun had gone down and they are cooking in these big pots, pots big enough to cook missionaries in. <laughs> and I was like, hey, keep an eye on each other. No. <laughs> And that's one of the small pots, too, that one there. They were cooking the food, and no one was there. Something beautiful happened. I hope you can capture this a little bit. Uh, the sun was gone down. They were cooking, but no one was there. There was this big canopy, that, you know, this size, a canopy of the size of this room and, um, or more. And all of a sudden, the pastor on a tannoy in, in Telugu, whatever the language was, began to shout out. And we didn't know what he was saying, obviously. And then these young ladies began to sing. But there was no one there. And I thought, why? Maybe they're practicing for later. Maybe they're rehearsing for when we have the conference later. But it turns out that they were letting all of the villages know through the announcement and through the music, all of the villages up in the mountain above us, that their, their guests are here and the conference will begin. And all of a sudden, we began to see this string of white lights coming down the mountain through the jungle. There was a string of lights there and a string of lights there and a string of lights there and people coming up here and people were coming and gathering together. I was so moved by that. Uh, the moment was just a profound, it was like something out of a missionary biography. These people coming together to hear the word of God. About 400 people gathered that night, gradually filled up. And again, we had a beautiful time uh, preaching the gospel of grace. You'll notice there are two translators there. Uh, again, neither is Hindi. These are two tribal dialects. You have to choose your words very uh, carefully. And Tyrone shared, he shared about a love letter from God and shared verses with them. And Roland shared at this, this time and different events. And it was our privilege to be able to represent uh, the gospel to these precious people. And their hearts and response uh, was, was incredible. And there we, anoint, uh, we ordained another three pastors, so nine pastors in all under open ministries were ordained for ministry. They were anointing them with oil in that picture. <clears throat> I'll leave you with this. This was the last village. This was on the Sunday. Uh, I, I could have done what I was like, oh, really? Okay. <laughs> but we went. Uh, Tyrone and Roland, they were at the police station at that time, but that's another story. <laughs> but I, I, So I, I went to this village with just me and David and Raul, I think. And that's the road approaching the village. I can't express again how we were, there was, there's no one has been there <laughs> to this place. 
This is the village we pulled up in the new vehicle. We visited these precious people. They, again, escorted us up to this area where there was a canopy, and we preached. And this is, there's only one main street, and this is where they're greeting us at the end. In that village, and all the villages we went to, at the conferences, at the children's home, at the leprosy compound, wherever we went, we were able to represent uh, the gospel and, and the love of God to people. We're so thankful for that opportunity. In this village, there's been a little plot of land donated. It's just a dusty field right now, but we're praying to raise money that they can build a church there, that God will do that. So, Father, let's pray. So, Father, we thank you this morning that we could consider this great work through this little church. Oh, we are so privileged, so thankful for what you have done, what you are doing, what you continue to do in the Sara Hills. We thank you for each child, for the home of life, for the team. We thank you for each story, each answer, the great grace that you've poured out. We pray for your provision to continue to support. We pray that, that, that uh, in different places, in different hearts, you would stir up people to support the work. We pray for the churches, these pastors, their ministry, many of them in very, very difficult places, really paying a price for their ministry. <clears throat> Protect them, bless them and their families. Provide for them. We pray, pray for the leprosy uh, uh, compound, that ministry, those precious people. Uh, with great love, our hearts extended to them. We thank you for the, 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 the group, the support, for Lisa, all those who have a heart and prayers and giving towards them. We are so thankful, again, to be a part of that. We pray for the work today. We pray for David especially. So much uh, responsibility, so much he's used and working so tirelessly. Bless him, anoint him. Bless him in his, in his future, <clears throat> in his marriage, in his ministry. <clears throat> we ask and trust you. Perhaps as someone watching online and you personally have never responded to the gospel of grace. You're not sure about your salvation. You maybe assume you are a Christian, but, but haven't accepted Christ. Or in your heart, say, Jesus, I trust you today. I believe in you today. I receive you into my life as my Savior. I come to you, not by the deeds of, of the law, not by the works of my flesh, not by anything that I have done, but only by what you have done for me. I trust you and thank you for saving me today. We pray for those that have that prayer, guide and lead them into a local church that they may grow in the grace and knowledge of Christ. We pray for a blessing upon our church family here. For those who are <clears throat> perhaps getting older, struggling with different ailments, those who have physical challenges, those who are facing financial difficulties or troubles, physical, mental, emotional relationships, or whatever it might be, we pray together for one another. We pray for your covering, your answer, your protection, your blessing of grace upon uh, this church family and our extended families, we ask and pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, so we will have an India night, probably in, uh, in May or something like that, where we do this more.